Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome to the Webby Podcast, where we share the stories of the internet in more than five-word speeches. The internet must be stopped. The story is not over. One Webby was unbelievable, but... Nude selfies till I die. Here's your host, David Michelle Davies. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Webby Podcast. Today's guests have been called the pod fathers of podcasting, Alex Bloomberg and Matt Lieber. They founded the podcast company Gimlet Media in 2014 with just one show called Startup. The show is super meta, to say the least. It was a podcast that followed Matt and Alex as they started a business which produced podcasts. The show is a huge hit, and so is the company. Gimlet received funding, they hired more and more staff, they moved into bigger offices, and today they produce about a dozen podcasts, really some of the best podcasts in the world. I got the chance to sit down with Matt and Alex in front of a live audience at the Gizmodo offices here in New York City. They were both super candid about what it was like to start Gimlet, and we talked a lot also about what the world of podcasting is today. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Uh... You know, uh, our guest today, I think that if uh, my guess is that most of you are like podcast nerds, junkies, groupies, uh, like the rest of us on Team Webby Awards, you probably know who our guests are. Uh, whether it's like classic podcasts like Startup, the Nerd for Nerd for Nerd's Sake podcast, and I mean that in the most complimentary way possible, Reply All uh, for the internet fans among us. Uh, or their new show uh, that they just actually announced today in the Wall Street Journal, uh, partnered with Tinder. Is it called Dater or DTR? DTR. Called DTR, but it does have that sort of old school internet feel, lacking vowels with the R at the end, exactly. which is cool also. Yeah. <laughs> um, these guys heads a company whose culture and work is really devoted to making the best podcast in the world. And so far, they've been pretty darn successful at it. Uh, Matt, Alex... Did you guys think, when you thought about the, the new podcast that you just launched today, did you ever think you'd be, did you feel like you needed a partner like Tinder to make that? It seems like they bring so much to the table in addition to actual, the actual money. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, like us, like many media companies, we have a, we have a branded content division and we have, a, and we have an editorial division. And so the, the Tinder podcast, the DTR, is, is uh, through our branded content side. Um, uh, fun fact, run by my wife. <laughs> um, and uh, so, so yeah. But but I think so that that's um, and those those the the I mean we can get into that if you want. But the 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 way that the branded content works and the way that um, 
and the way that our editorial content works is pretty different in the way it's conceived and the way it's executed and the and the and the and the economics of it. Yeah. Well, let's. I think let's let's start off just by talking about the podcast itself, and then we mm -hmm. can sort of jump back into because you guys have done a lot of work with Brandon Cop podcasts. Yeah. It's super interesting. Uh, so but, we, but a little, I mean, I just think the general concept, like we all understand, I think in the room here, Tinder has an incredible amount of data based on dating. That's super fascinating. And from what I understand, you guys are going to make a podcast that brings that data to life into stories, which just sounds like awesome. Yeah, that's part of it. So what we, we work with a lot of brands and we have this agency inside Gimlet called Gimlet Creative, which is run by Alex's wife, Nazarene. Mm -hmm. And the idea around Gimlet Creative is like, so they make all of the ad campaigns that run across Gimlet shows. All of the advertisements that you hear on our podcast are native ads. They're made by us. Often they're read by the hosts of the show. Um, and there are a couple. And then they make these longer form branded podcasts. And the, the general like, philosophy of advertising at Gimlet is that like, there are a couple of principles at play. One is um, the ads shouldn't suck. Like, the ads should be additive. Um, to the experience of listening to the show. Like, they should be fun and interesting. You should learn something or get a laugh, or um, it should add to the product. Um, number two is that it should be totally transparent whether you're listening to an ad or whether you're listening to editorial content of the show. So we, we're pretty, we use music. We're pretty clear when you're listening to an ad. This is sponsored. You'll hear this is, episode is sponsored by uh, Ford Motor Company or sponsored by Dell or... Um, with the branded podcast, we say it's a branded podcast from Tinder. But the idea of the show, so Tinder is a production, or DTR, which is, how many of you guys know what DTR stands for? Like f three of you, okay, interesting. Will you tell the rest of us? Yes, do you want to tell us DTR? Define the relationship. Define the relationship. Yes. Which kind of which means like, it's okay to be casually dating and it's okay to be in a relationship and anything in between, but. The, the, the thing is, like, what, what, what Tinder tells us is like a, it's an, often a thing of, like, define the relationship. Make sure you know what you're getting into. Is have you used it in a sentence? Right? <laughs> in a text? Have you used it in a text, I guess? I don't know if I've actually ever used it, like, specifically in a conversation, but uh -huh. I tell my friends, like, oh, I'm going to have a DTR with this person. Got you're going to okay. have a DTR. That's, that's a noun. It. So it's a noun. There we go. Yeah. And is that, like, that's, like, the, con that's the conversation about yeah. it, essentially. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, um, but the idea of the show is like, so that's a production of Tinder and Gimlet Creative, which is the creative agency. But the idea of the show is like, can we make a hit show? So we come at it, like it, there, it's different group parts of the company, but a lot of the same like tools and methodologies and the approach to making the show is very similar. It's like, how can we make something that listeners will love, that they will actually love so much that when they hear it, they will tell their friends to also listen to it because word of mouth is a big driver of marketing and podcasts. And the nature of the way audiences grow in podcasts is you can't really buy audience. Like, if you're making a, a branded podcast, it has to be good enough that it'll go out and compete in the marketplace on its own. So I would say, like, the show is launching Thursday. You should check. And if the show is successful, it should be in the top of the iTunes charts, um, like, along with uh, Crime Town, which is our other show, which is currently at number one. But so the I mean, I think the interest of many interesting things here the difference, because you know, this audience especially knows branded content, and we've been doing branded content media for years, especially on the internet. The bit of a difference here, and I'm interested in how it moves the line for you guys, is you might be promoting it on some of your shows, but it's not actually like appearing in a like in what is typically a user branded a branded gimlet space, right? Like I'm sure you promote it on your website and stuff like that. 
But it's not, you know, it's not like a media company that has an article and they run 900 articles that are editorial and then all of a sudden one of them is branded and at the top it says branded. Right. You're going to a different place to get it. It's got its own iTunes st place in the store. Yeah. Well, you're not like sticking it in so the feed of startup really, that kind of thing. Right. That's so right. does that move? I, on some level, I feel like that would be liberating that you, you can like let them make the decisions because you're not actually, you're not putting the Gimlet brand or the editorial brand on the line as much. Is that right? Or? Well, we're putting the, if you look, I mean, it's a Gimlet creative production. So in some ways, Gimlet Media Inc., like we have, we're putting our brand on it and that's why we insist that it be really good. So our, our, most of our distribution is not on owned and operated channels. I mean, the, the kind of interesting thing about podcasting is throughout its whole evolution as an industry, it was always a distributed medium. Like, the, in much the way in which like web media has now become distributed, right? Like if you, if you're in, if you're working for a, web, a digital media company, it's likely that, like, a, a plurality or a majority of your traffic is coming from Facebook or Twitter or other social platforms, not on your owned and operated site. And for podcasting, that's always been the case. So it's mostly iTunes. You know, now it's Google Play Music, Spotify, but very little listening happens on our site. So we can't just put a branded show next to an editorial show and hope that people discover it. The, it just means the bar for like the the level of work you have to do. In the, in the, on the branded side is just much higher because it has to be so good that people discover it, share it, and actually like opt in to listening to it. It seems, it seems more direct and all. I don't, I don't want to make the other branded stuff seem dishonest because I don't think it is. I just, it, it feels cleaner. Um, and in a way, it, it, if I was making that content, it would be, it seems like easier or not that the actual making of the content is easy, but that line that people have so many issues with just seems clearer in this case. Do you, do you agree? Well, it, it's, I mean, yeah, I think it, it is, I mean, we are trying to make it as clear as we can. Um, the nature of lines is that they <laughs> get blurred, I think, but uh, so far we haven't had that happen. Like, I think um, the, uh, I, I think what we would, the, uh, what it has, what it does is it's, it, it just, we're making the content in much the same way we would make an editorial content, we're thinking about the same things. We're thinking about like, is this gonna be engaging? Is this funny? Is this gonna be, you know, is this gonna grab people? Is it gonna compel people? And, and, we, and we have another partner in making that, which is the brand. And um, what we've found so far is that like, sort of they care about the same things we care. I mean, there's like, you know, they're, they're you know, like we had our first edit, I remember with our branded podcast with eBay, I hope this isn't, and and I was like, we had no idea. We'd never done this before. eBay was our first brand and partner. We did this big podcast with them called Open for Business. And uh, I had no idea what was going to come, like what that was going to be like. We sent them their first draft. And I was like, are they going to want more eBay? Are they going to want more of this? And they were like, this part moves slow. This character I didn't like. We, it was just like the same. It was very, very editorial, so, which was great. It you know wasn't I mean? about the logo and whether you said, you know, how many people in the world use eBay every day. Yeah, and it was like very much. I mean, there was like, you know, like they wanted a person from eBay in there, which was fine. But like, that's like, and so so basically, if, they're, if we're, I mean, what we found, you know, so far is that like we are we're, we are ultimately most of what we want is the same thing like we're trying to make it engaging for people they want to make it engaging for people and if it feels too much like if it feels too much like a commercial then they know it's not going to feel engaging right you know but I mean I think uh, the startup fans in here will know and you guys talked about this on one of the, I think it was a recent episode. Um, that you had the Department of Defense come to you and ask you to do the similar thing, right? We did. 
which, you know, I'll just tell you as a listener, I thought it was really interesting because when I, before you guys went into the whole discussion about whether you should do it or not, I was like, wow, that's interesting. What's happening at the Department of Defense? <laughs> I know. It's like, what else, you know, like it just seemed like some big tech world that you'd be able to explore. But clearly yeah. that, that you, in the episode, you revealed that that sort of felt too far in some direction, basically, and you didn't want to do it. Well, yeah, I mean, it's like, I mean, we are very, very, in the very beginning, this is all brand new for us. Like we've just, our company's two years old. Our branded podcast division is what, one year old? Yeah. Um, and so it feels like very, very much like we, we are, we're trying to pick and choose what we want to do. I think there's lots of good reasons why you would want to do a, a podcast for the DOD. For one thing, they're working on lots of really interesting shit. For another thing, like for a lot of our listeners, I think if you ask them, they would say, of course you would work for the DOD. Like, it's one of the great institutions. Like, they, they're a great contributor to, like, our country and freedom and so forth. And we'd have a whole other group that would be like, no, you shouldn't do propaganda in favor of war making. Um, we ultimately, yeah, both fair. Yeah. And, and I think we both, we ultimately came down, like, actually, and this is kind of a wimpy thing, but because of where we are, we, we are in the, in our, like, in the, first couple years of the company, because of how much other business we have and we're turning down right now, we basically said, like, we actually don't want to make this decision right now. Like, we, we don't want to have a, like, bigger, like, discussion about the principles of how and who we will or won't work with. And we decided also, like, b like if you guys work with clients, you know, some clients are really easy to work with. Like, so Tinder is, like, like us, they're a startup. Like we're working directly with a CMO. They know what they want. They have a point of view. Like they're awesome to work with. There are other clients that are like huge, and they have multiple layers of approval, and they're bureaucratic. It's like, which do you think the DoD would be? <laughs> <laughs> and so we sort of said, because of that, because of like how much other business we had, we're like, let's not do it for those reasons. We didn't say let's not do it because we wouldn't do a podcast for like. You don't hate America. Don't hate America. Well, and also, like, the other thing that was, like, part of that, that a piece of tape that got cut that I will now share with you, was, uh, we were in, as part of that discussion, we were, we were, like, to me, you know, like, in my back, I've done, you know, throughout my career, lots and lots of reporting on the military, and it's hard. Like, you have to, it's hard to get in there. Like, it's hard to get anybody to, like, open up to you, and, like, and, like, in a certain way, one of the things that's really cool about the branded podcasts that, that we do, because of the kind of documentary style that we do, is that, like, you can actually end up telling all sorts of stories that you could never do as an, out, as an editorial project, because they have editorial control, so they can, they will, they can trust you completely now. And, yeah. so, and so you get actually access to lots of things that you would never get. So I was thinking, like, if we did a branded podcast for the DoD, we'd probably get deeper inside the DoD than ever as, like, an editorial. Yeah, yeah. and that, that's sort of what I was wondering about Tinder, too, which yeah. is that you, you'd probably never get access to that data, right? Like, that there's incredible data there. Yeah, so we have, we have an episode where... So we, Tinder did open up a bunch of data for the podcast. I was, the podcast is not really about data, but there's episodes where we get in there. They have a, basically a sociologist on staff, and she goes through profiles and she's like, has lessons for like what you should, like if you smile in your profile photo, you are 40% more likely to get matched. If you send a GIF instead of just a text message, you are 30% more, 30 more likely to get a response. So that's like a tip <laughs> Never, you. ever, ever put up a group picture. Never. Don't do it, yeah. ever. Horrible idea. Don't, Nobody glasses. knows who's you. Don't wear glasses yeah. in your in your profile. Yeah. Um, 
That's what's killing us right now. <laughs> exactly. On Tinder. <laughs> so they do open, like, they open up all that, and they, they know a lot about sex and relationships because, like, that's what the platform lives and breathes. We do, we're doing a whole episode about dick pics, um, <laughs> which is, and that's one of those things where it's like, we pitched, that was our idea, we pitched it to them thinking that, like, the response would probably be like, ah, we don't want to go there. Um, and they, like, really liked it, and they wanted to do it in a smart and interesting way. But that's why, I, like, I always say, branded podcasts are not for every brand. Um, it's like some brands just aren't that interesting. They don't have, like, super interesting stories to tell. It requires, like, you to be very confident um, and to be in an interesting area where there are conversations and where there are stories. And Tinder's very confident. They were so confident that they're like, dick pics, yes, we can do that. It's going to be a really good, like, I think it's going to be a great episode. I think it's going to, like, get people listening. It's intelligent. It, like, gets into the dynamics for, like, why is it that basically, like, it's like the guys are the ones that love sending dick pics, but basically no women like receiving them. So, like, why, why so is that? Surprising. Yes, shocking. <laughs> shocking. Just to double back to the Defense Department thing, um, and not to ask you about that, but to segue from there, uh, you guys are making podcasts. You're also actually a startup company. We all know this, but, like, that's, that's a thing, too. You're not just making this content, going through the trials and tribulations of making editorial content, making those decisions. You're also hiring new people, growing a business. How many new people should you hire? All those things. Was the lesson of focus, which I would say is some of this Department of Defense story that you've told here, uh, was that something you'd learned before? Is that something, is that a lesson that is already becoming something really important that you can share with other entrepreneurs out there and, and that kind of thing? I mean, we, I, I think, I, the way I think about it is like, you know, focus has just become, you know, I, one of the things that I was unprepared for when starting a company, one of the many, many things, um, was this idea that, um, you know, you dream of like, oh, one day I'm going to call the shots and I'm not going to have to like listen to this bullshit anymore. And then, uh, and then you're <laughs> Then calling, you become the bullshit. And then you become the bullshit. <laughs> and you have to explain why it's not bullshit to all your employees. No, but... Uh, but, but it's also like that like calling the shots is sort of like there's a lot of shots to call, many more shots to call than I ever thought, than I ever dreamed. And um, many more opportunities. And like all of a sudden you're up and you're running. And I'd never worked in a for-profit really before. You know, the last, the last job, before being the CEO of this company, the last job I had in a for-profit institution was in high school and I was a bagger at a grocery store. So I worked in non-profit media my entire life. Uh, and... Um, there's, it's sort of giddy, you know, like, we can make money this way, we can make money this way, like, we could do branded contests, we could do this, we could do that, they want to partner with us, this person wants to do something, you know, this person wants to have a meeting, and, like, you get up and running, you get a little bit of attention, and then well, people want to have meetings with you, and you can meeting yourself into bankruptcy. Um, and, uh, and, and that was one of the things that was really, really shocking to me. It was just sort of like, oh, I'm going to have to make decisions here. Like, I'm going to have to make very, very, and like a lot of the decisions, most of the decisions are going to be no. Um, and that's the best thing you can do is, is, to, is to say no and to like actually decide what is the core thing that you want to focus on and focus on that and then try to like say no to everything else. And we did... I don't know. I mean, it was something that was a realization. I think you were better at like that realization than I was in the beginning. Where did you learn how to say no? I read a lot of startup blogs. So <laughs> it's like, I, no, I, I think that's like the number one thing I tell. Focus. If we've we've been really good at focus. Like we have done. We have said like we're gonna do a couple things and nothing else. That is like we're gonna 
make these shows that are awesome, we are going to grow audiences and then monetize them through advertising and now branded content. And we have, at, I mean, you hear this if you listen to startup, we're like, should we build a platform? Should we build a product? If, you're, if you raise money, if, if you guys are gonna start a company and you raise money, everyone is just giving you their like, oh, you should do this, no, you should do that. Like, let me give you advice. I am a VC, I'm good at pattern matching. I've seen lots of patterns. This is the pattern you're in, you should do this. So it's a lot, like, you're getting just tons of opinions. And th that is all distraction. So I, what I say is like, try to always do fewer things and just do, do them better. And focus is really important. However, it's like, it's like with all advice, like you can also focus yourself into bankruptcy. You could, yeah, you could. I mean, you, the thing, yeah. the, the, like when you're an entrepreneur, there's constant tension between, um, like, focus and like, or being strategic, which is kind of focus, uh. and being opportunistic, which is like when really cool um, opportunities come down the line. Uh, like sometimes they make sense to put a big bet on. I mean, I look at some of the stuff we just launched this fall and like, yeah, there were things that like when we put them into motion, I think I probably even did argue for one of them, like no, this doesn't fit into our thing and da da da. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, now it's a, now it's a huge hit. So I, I don't think it's as easy as, and obviously like if the thing you're focusing on isn't working, then you need to pivot. And we never had to do that. So don't ask us about that. But, but, but the other thing is that, like, the other thing that's really weird about saying no is that, um, which, uh, if I had been cooler or had a different upbringing or been like cooler in high school, I might have known already. But like, when you say no, people are just like a little bit more interested in you because you're like, whoa, you're saying no. Uh, and and I had never said no to anybody in my life ever. And uh, and then all of a sudden, like once you start saying no, like and so one of the things that's really interesting is like. Um, you know, we have a, the, our new show that we launched that's now number one is, is Crime Town, and that was the, that's made by the producers of, of The Jinx. And they're great guys, and we have, like, we've been working for like a year on this, on this, uh, on this, on this uh, show. And, um, but when they first came to us, it was early on, and they were like, they had just come off The Jinx, which I don't know how many people have seen, but it's like this big Emmy award-winning, you know, amazing documentary that was on HBO. It was like, you know, it was the toast of the town. Amazing, amazing, if you, if you get a chance to see it. But, um, but uh, so it was this hot thing. They had like, they, and they came to us, and they were, they were like, we want to do, do sort of like a, an, a, we have all this stuff that we couldn't get into The Jinx, all this like audio. You know, and it was like all these phone calls that like Robert Durst had made from prison, and there's all these things that like they just they they were like it could, they couldn't get into the movie, but it was like really cool audio, and we and they were like we want to do we want to do an, a podcast that's sort of like a companion to the Jinx, and they came to us early on when we were just just starting, and they were way more high profile than than, than we were, and it was like this very. And, it was at and, the height of the popularity of the Jigs, which yeah. is like a cultural phenomenon. Yeah, and it was like, and it was a cool idea, but like the story, like the story had been told, like the audio wasn't nearly as good as the video. Like the the the, the movie they had made was so much better than any podcast that we could have made using the audio that they had. It was really cool. It would have been a cool like little sort of recap something, or it could have been a, a nice little companion. And it probably would have gotten a lot of listeners, and we maybe could have monetized it pretty well. But it was like one of those things, and ultimately we went back and forth and back and forth, and I was really flattered, and I was like, but we said no, 
Because ultimately, I was like, well, we, we're, we're making a company that we're, we're trying to make the podcast equivalent of the Jinx, not like some sort of liner note to the Jinx. You know, that's what we're trying to do. And, and, um, and so I told them that, and I felt like, oh, that's, now we fucked up that relationship, and that's over, and that, that's never going to happen again. That like, we really never. like these guys now. <laughs> and, then, and then they were like, oh, well, let's do something else together. And then they sort of pitched us ideas, and then we came up with this thing that is now number one in iTunes. So it was like... Um, By the way, that yeah. reminds me, the number of conversations we've had in the last two years that start out, we have, we've been making this thing, and we have all this extra stuff on the side that we couldn't get into it. Could yeah. we make a podcast? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, now I'm realizing that's <laughs> doesn't what happened. Doesn't Bad seem like time. a great <laughs> Probably. Never never there's this extra good. stuff that, wasn't, that we couldn't put into the thing that we're actually making, but we want to give you the extra right. stuff. It wasn't well, good yeah. enough for the podcast. Well, so that's, yeah. an, that's a new show. I mean, let's talk a little bit about your new shows, because you have a lot of shows out, and I think fans of Gimlet... There was a bunch of new shows, but it's, it seems like it's really accelerated, right? There hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. The startup and then there was Reply All and there's, you know, sort of Science Versus and there's some other ones I'm not mentioning, but there was a nice steady pace and now it's, it seems like an explosion of new shows, which I think is a good thing. Um... Can we, you guys want to tell us about some of the new shows you're launching? We talked about the DTR show. Um, yeah. Yeah, so we launched three shows as part of our fall season uh, in the last month. Uh, one is Crime Town, which is um, from the creators of The Jinx, and it's a show that looks at a different American city each season and kind of does an x-ray of that city through the, through, through the lens of crime. And the first season is about Providence, Rhode Island, which is a mob city, and it's a sh- world where you kind of can't tell like the good people from the bad and like the, the good guys do bad and the bad guys do good and um, it's a little bit like if you had Martin Scorsese teach civics class and it's all real um, and it sounds unlike anything else uh, Homecoming is our first is an audio thriller it's our first scripted series uh, starring Catherine Keener and Oscar Isaac and David Schwimmer and David Cross and it's a six-episode uh, thriller that is right now about episode four, I think, comes out tonight. Came out. Or, uh, or yeah. tomorrow? Yeah. Tomorrow. Um, yeah. Tomorrow. And that's a... <laughs> what day is it? <laughs> uh, and then the third show is called Undone, and Undone is a show that looks at American history and revisits events from recent history from, like, the last 40 years and explains what happens after the news trucks left and the ways in which like, news stories that we thought we understand have, have these really surprising cultural reverberations, which launched 
right after the election and turned out like all these stories that they're telling like in a lot of ways explain how we got here as a culture. Um, and so that show's done really well as well. And they're all, they're all doing well. I mean, we, it was a little bit of a, an accident. Like we didn't actually plan a fall season. This was not strategic. This was like we set in motion a bunch of ideas. We worked on them over the course of the last year and they all kind of began to sprout out of the ground and look like they were going to be launchable at the same time. So we said, let's just like do it together and make a big splash. And, um, so let's talk a little bit about this. I'm interested in the scripted thriller because that's very different from what the rest of the type of podcast you guys have made so far. And how did you think about the size of the audience for that? And how did you know or did you, you know, is there like data out there or research or information that would give you a sense of, because there's not a lot, there's some, there's not a ton of scripted podcasts out there. There's some that are very good. How did you think about, because it's very different sort of, I would imagine maybe it's the same people, but different type of audience that would. I mean, the, our basic thesis, there's not that much data. And like, you can't really do, there's not that much like you can sort of go on. There's a couple of things that we saw out there that made us feel like it was a good, there's a couple of things we saw and then it was a couple of sort of like our general, our thesis. Um, you know, there, there had been some very successful launches that were like essentially scripted fiction podcasts. The, most, the first was Night Vale, Welcome to Night Vale, um, which is like a fictional sort of like, the, the conceit is that it's like a, it's a, it's a, it's a sort of a community broadcast from a, from a mysterious town that has been basically taken over by demons. And so like, like hollow-eyed children with like blood-scrawled notes are constantly wandering into the control booth and the guy's like, oh, I see there's a demon-faced child here. And it's sort of dark comedy. It's, very fu it's really funny and it has a huge cult following. And a huge following, not a cult following. Um, and, uh, and then there was another one called, there's a couple more, The Message and Welcome to Limetown, which were two big sort of like scripted ones. And so we saw, so with Night Vale, Night Vale came out of nowhere. You know what I mean? It was just like these friends who'd launched it on a whim and then it got picked up on like a Tumblr somewhere, I think. And then it just basically just went and it was at number one on the iTunes charts for like months. And, and it's like you built this huge audience and just at a, you know, so I was, that was what made, made us think like, okay, there's a demand for, for scripted fiction. And then part of it is just sort of our thesis, which is that, you know, on demand is now this, the whole, Everything that, that has shocked every other part of the media landscape is just now shocking audio. Like, on demand is just now coming to audio, essentially. Like, with the podcast, once it became hard installed on the phone, that was like, all of a sudden, audio was having its like, oh, people are writing on their computers moment. You know, like, that was their first, you know, in audio, like, it had just been radio for so long because so much of listening is dominated by cars and like cars were not connected. Um, but now that you have this device that you can carry around and you can listen to things other than, you know, you can listen to things on it, um, on-demand audio became a thing now, that a, a habit. Um, and what that meant, as it always means, is that form would now change to follow that new use, right? Like it's no longer like in a, in a and I remember this working in just the pure radio world, you can't do anything serialized. You just cannot. You cannot expect that the audience will tune in at exactly the same time the next day. You have to do so much recapping that you've like spent your entire, you know, whatever, 10 minutes just to get people back up to speed where they're supposed to be. You can't do anything like that. Um, and you have to go lowest common denominator. Like there's not enough, you know, they can't expect that like, oh, there's gonna be like several hundred thousand people who are gonna be interested in this audio documentary, in this, and, in this story. And that's the case not just for uh, 
fiction stuff, but also for newsy and documentary that's, all that kind of I stuff mean, on the radio too, right? Serial I mean, could yeah. never have existed. Yeah. You know, like startup could never have existed in, in the old world. And so, but it also means that like, okay, so now we're like, we, habits are changing. We don't like, I don't leave the house now without my earbuds. I don't want, I don't, I don't, God forbid I'm alone with my thoughts for a second while I'm running to the bank. <laughs> and so, um, and so now that there, all those opportunities exist, like there's now, more time to consume this kind of medium. Like the great thing about audio is the only thing you can do while you're doing something else. Like you can't, you know, drive and read. I hope you're not supposed to, uh, not supposed to <laughs> but you can drive and listen. Well, so you mentioned the. I mean, I think the hard, the hard, you know, download of the software on the iPhone. Uh, the article in the journal today talking about the DTR uh, mentioned that 12% of. I think my colleague told me 12% of U.S. People listen to podcasts. Twenty-one percent. Twenty-one percent. Sorry. Um, listen every month. Listen once a month, essentially, right? How do you get? I mean, do you guys feel like part of your role in your job is to get that to ninety-eight percent? Yeah. And ha beyond just telling people to listen to your podcast, like, wh what do you think it needs to happen? How do you do that? Yeah. So ninety-two, ninety-two percent of Americans listen to the radio every week, and they listen across demos, and they listen to a ton of it, like average average 11 hours a week. So it's a ton of media consumption of audio, but it's through the AM, FM channel. And then if you look at, so that's 260 million Americans listening to radio. About 60 million are listening to podcasts right now. Um, and so like our big, like the big thing for us over the next you know, five years is to move those radio listeners into the podcast channel. And yeah, I think we do absolutely have responsibility like as industry leaders of like making that transition happen. So how are we doing that? One is like we are investing a fuck ton in making amazing shows. <laughs> so we went, so like Crime Town is gonna be 20 episodes of something that like feels like an HBO show, but for your ears. Homecoming has like top talent, writers, actors, and, um, and like feels like a, a level of quality above, same with Undone. And like we, so, so our thing is like we want to make better content to bring more people into the channel. Um, I think there's going to be ways in which technology evolves. Like there's going to be discovery is still not great in podcasts. Um, there's no great podcast app. Cars are a big piece of it. So connected cars coming online and that just takes a while because we, you know we replace our smartphones every like 24 months. We replace our cars every 11 years. It just takes time for connected cars to come online and that's where half of radio listening happens. So the shift, the transition into digital is, it's inexorable and it's happening and it's actually happening at, a, at an accelerating pace. Um, the, the other thing that I would say that we're doing is like also, like I think it's sort of like an accident of history that most spoken word audio is in the, sort of either in the sort of like Howard Stern or public radio model. Like there hasn't been, for a long time, there hasn't been any reason to have like, a dating show in audio, or a you know a, a, a house remodeling show in audio, or you know a scripted fiction series in audio. Like those things have not happened because there hasn't been a there hasn't been a way to find an audience for those things. There hasn't been a channel to do, to get to your audience with those things. Um, but now, of course, there is. So I think for people like for a long like you know like public radio and talk radio probably maxed out like the total audience that was wanted to listen to that kind of stuff. But there's more kinds of stuff that people would want to listen to. So, like, if you like Homeland, but you never listen to public radio, Rush Limbaugh, or Howard Stern, you might still like Homecoming, you know. And so that's another way of sort of broadening. The, yeah. It's kind of like the, the one way to think about it is like we are we it, we are capturing the moments in people's day that's like the last uncolonized 
a time that is uncolonized by digital. So actually, this company where we're standing, like Gawker, which is, was one of the great like, first web media company, the insight was there's a bunch of people sitting at their desks that want to consume, like, that don't actually want to be working, but want to consume content that's interesting and has voice and moves fast, and, like, and that's an audience. And the, so web media like, took up the day. And now, like, if you look at the amount of video creation that's going, like, you can watch that at work. You can also watch it on your phone when you're in line for the, uh, at the bodega, or you can watch it like on your couch at home. But digital really has not colonized the like, bookends of the day or the in-between moments when you're commuting, when you're exercising, when you're doing chores, and you can't be looking at a phone. And like, we're moving into a world now where audio is going to be pervasive during those periods. It's the one thing you can do while you're multitasking. Yeah. And we're multitasking more and more. A businessy type question. As as audience grows here, so more people are listening to their cars, Discovery gets better, all these new types of shows that are out there attract different audiences, more people are interested in this, et cetera. You guys are making custom ads for advertisers. Like, do you think that works forever? Can you if you have a show that has eighteen million people listening to it, can you make custom ads that all eighteen million people listen to? Because that's Man, that's what I like to different. Have that yeah, but that's, it's a different, I mean, it, generally media has sort of tackled that issue by, you know, having targeted ads and non, I mean, and ads that aren't necessarily sort of branded content-y or have sort of all the investment and resources that you guys put into making the ads. Yeah. Um, how do you think about that? Um, I'm sure you have investors asking you this question. I don't know. I mean, I, I would, I doubt our ad model is going to be exactly the same in two years or five years as it is today. What I do believe is we can do better than the web. <laughs> so if you look at the way the ad model has evolved on the web, it has not been great for, uh, it has not been great for uh, audiences. Like, you, like we went, I mean, the early days were like pop-ups and that was, but, um, and it's not been, it's been okay maybe for brand, but brands, but like there's a lot of ad fraud and like Google themselves says like viewability across the web of advertising is something like 50%. Like we're just saying 50% of ads that we are saying have been served are actually have been served to bots or uh, like other computers that aren't looking at it and aren't real. And, and it's not a, been a great experience. I think like in the last year or two, that's like you've seen publishers come up and say, actually, we're going to take more control of the ad experience. Um, maybe it's not like, maybe it's not custom at the level of Gimlet is doing it where we have the hosts of the shows involved, but it's like, we're going to take control of the ad experience, we're going to clean it up, make it better for advertisers, making it, make it better for audiences, and I think we can, I think we can do better than, um, better than the course of the web, but I don't think it's going to be um, 100% custom, no. I think we, have, we will eventually have to find a, a more scalable model. Right. Um, lots of questions that I, I'm going to call them the grab bag challenge <coughs> here, which is random questions that people wanted me to ask you. Um, uh, Non-Gimlet, non-NPR, non-PRI, three favorite podcasts of each of you that you like. Uh, number oh. one is Making Oprah which is a documentary, it's a three-part documentary about, the, about how Oprah built uh, Oprah. It's awesome if you're interested in media or entrepreneurship. Like, that is an awesome story of an, of an entrepreneur who built a huge media business and stayed true to herself. Um, do you have one? Uh, let's see, I was, I'm gonna have to look at my phone. Um, 
I was I, I was I did a big run on Welcome. Uh, I mean, Hello from the Magic Tavern, which is a which is a comedy podcast. Uh, oh, my friends off. Uh, I also am like really deep into into um, making uh, into making Oprah. Um, what else am I listening to? Uh, um, the the there's like um, the, there's like uh, there's there's ones that I sort of visit sort of like randomly. So like I listen to Tax Season. I'll dip into that. What's that? Um, that's like uh, it's on the Loudspeakers Network, and it's just it's just a, it's like this guy who like hosts this podcast, and he's just like it's like a. I don't know. He's just like a he's like an entertaining dude, and he has like interesting guests, and like it's just it's really yeah. But he's really an ex con. He's right? an ex con, yeah. yeah, and he's got like a yeah. Uh, um, and I'm trying to think. Like there's, I mean, there's a bunch of them. We can come yeah, back yeah, to yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, advice to people who are making podcasts now, with all your wisdom. Uh, <laughs> no advice. What is my advice? Um, well, I mean, I think, I, I think it's, I, I mean, I think the thing that does very, very well in audio is, is authenticity. Um, you can hear people telling the truth better than you can see it and better than you can read it. Um, and that's, that's actually a, a verifiable fact. I have, I, have a, I, have a, I have a paper that was done that proves this. Um, you mean and, you paid someone to write it? No, I did, I did not. I, it is an actual paper that exists. Um, so, uh, can, can we talk yeah. about that for a second, a little yeah, bit more? Yeah. Because uh, one of the things that you, know, you said you didn't work at any for-profit companies for all those years and all that stuff, but I think anybody who listened to Startup and that was in the world of the internet quickly recognized that you had like exceptional promotional instincts through the startup podcast. That like there was something incredibly genius about bringing people in in a super authentic way into the challenge that you're going through. I think it's part of the reason you guys have like such a devoted fan base because people really connected with you and empathized with you and wanted mm -hmm. to learn about it. And it was a really interesting topic and great storytelling too. So not, but that was. That was, you know, a very new and different type of thing that we hadn't seen before. Um, at the same time, you're sharing the experience. You're editing it, right? And yeah. you have to. And I'm sure you have very smart listeners, and they're not the kind of people who are going to be sort of like duped by like just making everything sound great. Mm -hmm. um, how do you think about like it's challenging to make it authentic? When it is it challenging? I should say to make it authentic when you have sort of like all these different things at play, you have what your investors might thinking about or what Matt might have thought about the interview you did with him and I mean, what the people would think. I can honestly say that like the tape that we got, like if the tape that we got that was the most troubling or embarrassing or hard, you know scary to put out there was the tape that we put in the episodes. Like that's the tape, like that was the stuff that we pretty much knew um, where people were gonna we're going to gravitate towards. So, like the moments of conflict, the moments of uncertainty, the moments of vulnerability, those are the ones. The scariest moments to put in are the ones that people were going to connect to. So it wasn't like. So we're like certainly we're like self self presenting. Like we're not like we're, you know, like if there's you know I mean like we're editing and like we're like we're we're presenting it as as, a, as an edited thing. If you listen to all the all the raw tape, you would probably come away with a, with a slightly different picture, or a slightly less refined picture. But, um, 
Which people, but, which people know, right? Which people it's know, not your, but not it's not like you come away with a completely different picture. Like the picture, the stuff that we put in was the stuff that like was the real stuff, and like, um, and uh, you know, and, and I think, um, so, and, and that's because like you can, people can hear it. People can hear it when you're being honest, you know. And, and so like you're not gonna. We have tried to do episodes where there's not that much drama. Um, and we end up killing them. Like we, we, you know, we've had some episodes where it's sort of like, we're like, we'll go out and we'll try to, like, we'll go around the office looking for people to like talk about their anxieties, and like, I was like, I'm pretty happy right now. And then we can't do the fucking episode, you know, because it's just like boring, you know. Uh, and so we'll find the one person, like seven people will be like, yeah, I'm pretty good, and then one person like, I'm so stressed out, and you're like, you're the subject of the episode, you know. Uh, um, so yeah. <laughs> So, so all the attention seekers are constantly have a lot of anxieties. <laughs> right, basically, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, we'll uh, just one a question or two here before we wrap up. Um, other companies that as you guys are building your company that you look at and admire and and like strive to be either through management practices or content they make or like how, how, who do you guys look up to? I mean, obviously, Apple is a good, no. I'm just kidding. Um, I, no, it's because when you when you're an, when you're an entrepreneur, people are like, oh, Steve Jobs. You know, Steve uh, Jobs is just like the greatest entrepreneur of all time. And it's like, there's not a lot. To, there's actually not. I mean, I've like read the books and all that stuff. Like, th there has not been a, in terms of like manage and product genius, but managing the company, it's like it's very hard for me to relate to that. Yeah. Um, or it's hard to relate to the success of Amazon or something. Um, I think Pixar is one that we look at because it's a like uh, it's a media company that has like really at its core is has story has story at its core um, doesn't do a ton of content does a few like puts out a movie a year and it's um, a gorgeous experience that is like true and honest and also has mass appeal. Um, we, we look, I mean, there's like a couple, like I went sort of historical for a little bit and like looking at the beginning of like, of like the Walt Disney Corporation. It was sort of like Disney had like developed this thing, which was like sort of like the short animated feature. And then he started a company and he, he had a, start, a couple companies, they failed. And then he finally partnered with a business guy, his brother, and then they became like sort of successful. And then it was... And then he had this big thing, which was called Walt's Folly, which was like Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, and people were like, it'll never work, and then he did it, and it released, and so it was just like, sort of like, it's a story of like, how do you partner, sort of like, so, trying to do something, so, trying to do something creative and, with, with craft, and also make it successful. Another company that, I don't know, I, don't, I haven't like looked at the historical analogies as much, but like Marvel Comics seems like an interesting comparison. Like there's like a, there's a vision they had, they had a theory of comic books. You know, which was that like, sure they're superheroes, but then like the, the the real people are like real people with like real flaws, and that was going to be Peter Parker's not going to be like Superman, like he's going to be you know he's he's a dweeby guy, and like, um, and that and they built that company into like and that be, and it grew and it became like they followed that mission, you know, and sort of like built products and built like brands and built franchises out of that, and I, I think that's like that's an interesting model also. Did you guys ever think about setting Gimlet up more like a TV studio, more where like people are pitching you shows and you sort of say yes or no and they come in and make them, like and some third party makes them, that, you know, that kind of thing? Was that ever 
Yeah, since you were I talking mean, about different ways of media companies making this stuff, I was just, uh, it was always something. Yeah, uh, not really, because there's not, a, there's not a developed ecosystem of audio producers who can come in and like pitch an idea, say yes, and then go execute it at the level that it would need to be executed to be successful. Like We've kind of found, again, or I, I think this is actually might be about to start changing, but we've found, particularly in the first couple of years, like if we want to fulfill on the like, promise of the brand of Gimlet and do work at a very high level and do work that creates more understanding in the world, which is part of our mission, we have to do it ourselves. Nothing would make me happier than to be able to like, to have outside partners that we believed in the idea and we could say, yeah, go do it and you can execute it at that level. But um, like, there's just not, it's, it, it's not a de super developed ecosystem of talent who knows how to do this. So we've had to like hire and train and develop people inside, which is also fun and great. So I want to thank um, both of you for doing this. Uh, I want to encourage everyone to go check out all these new great shows. Uh, we've just lost even more and more hours in our day of listening to our own thoughts. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. Um, if you're making podcasts, you know, we launched a bunch of new podcast categories at the Webbies this year, largely because of the, the world that you guys are creating and, and leading and other content creators are following and just like this exceptional sort of growing world of podcasts because of that. Um, so guys, thank you so much. We really appreciate Thanks it. Thanks for having us. Thank you so much, Matt and Alex, for stopping by and chatting with us. And thanks to Gizmodo for hosting us in their beautiful space. If you're on the hunt for a new podcast, check out our favorite here at the Webbies, Reply All. Remember that time your friend told you about the TV show The Wire? That's sort of what just happened here. Our producer is Ben Wagner. Editorial help this week comes from Nicole Ferraro. Show music is Straight West by Casket Club. If you like what you're hearing, be sure to subscribe, tell your friends, and leave us a review. Thanks. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.